what interesting times we live in. It's, uh, it's some would say crazy, many say unprecedented. Uh, but whatever the case, um, I'm grateful uh, that we can come together, be together, and to worship. And for those that uh, didn't make it to the building today uh, online, we pray that you're connecting with us uh, through the broadcast, that you sense the presence of God in your room as much as we sense it in ours. May the word of God and the message of God today uh, shift us and, um, and bring life in us. So I wanted to, um, uh, really today is just a landing. Uh, it's a landing. Um, some of the plans that I had for this morning uh, I put back on the shelf. Um, so as we gather together in this space, uh, we're doing everything we can to be uh, careful and cautious in how we gather Uh, I am um, encouraging you to be responsible in how you interact with one another. Um, Hand sanitizer, social distance, don't cough on each other, Um, virtual hugs, all those sorts of things would be, uh, goes without saying, but hey, we've been here before. This is not the first time we've had a level change in New Zealand, and so I'm guessing that you've seen it, and you understand it, and you've read about it. Um, But we decided today to err on the side of caution uh, and respect those that would be a little more cautious than than me. And so that's the reason we've delayed lunch. Uh, We just didn't really want everyone dipping their hand in the cookie jar and and sharing food one with each other and didn't think that was a safe practice. Uh, So um, we'll put the food in the freezer and we'll have lunch another day. Okay? But don't let that stop you having lunch with someone. Um, Technically, you're allowed to have 100 people at home for lunch. Hey, we're all going to Jan's house. Excellent. That's awesome. Thanks, Jan. Better put the, better put the billy on. Uh, but look, look, look let's, not, let's not shrink back in fear, right? There's one thing to be cautious. It's something completely different to be fearful. And we must not live in fear. In fact, we're called to live beyond that. And I encourage you all as the church, wherever you are, whether you're at home, whether you go to work tomorrow or not, um, whether you have young ones or older ones in your family, just not live in fear. Let's be wise, be cautious, but let's be bold in our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Okay. Today, I want to land this series called uh, The Church Without Walls, and I want to just really summarize, and, 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 and my goal today is for you to internalize the message of The Church Without Walls. So um, what does that look like? As we become The Church Without Walls, this was my run sheet for this morning. Uh, that I prepared during the week. Firstly, that you would remember that we're to interact with each other. And I thought about striking that out this morning, and I thought, you know what, we can do that and be socially distanced. We can interact with one another and be safe, and we can interact with each other and not spread a virus. You don't look convinced. We can. We can interact with one another. We should interact with one another, so I left it on there. Um, I also this morning want to give you a time for reflection. Um, Sometimes we can go through um, the messages and the series and we can can grab them on the podcast or we can skip them uh, and we can not necessarily get the fullness of what God's got for us on the table. And, And so reflection is a way where you can slow down and maybe see something that you hadn't seen previously. So I'm going to give you opportunity for that today. 
Uh, I definitely want you to internalize the message of the church without walls. What does that mean? You make it personal for you. This is not a message that's just theory. This is not a message that just comes in the book for you to read and enjoy, but not make your own. The word of God is living and active, and it's come to us as a gift in order that it would change us. Once again, it's a personal journey, so as you internalize it, I pray that you would find what God is stirring you in, and you'll see some of the questions I pose today are designed to reflect back into your world what God is saying. So make it personal. Um, I also pray, uh, and have been praying this week, that um, the series would bring a conviction in you. A conviction is uh, really a, a compelling that comes from God as a gift to us, but as an opportunity for us to decide if we're going to respond. How many of you have had that feeling where you know God wants you to do something and you're just not sure you're going to do it? Am I the only one? Okay. Uh, that's a conviction. And it's like, do I have the guts to do it? Do I have the faith to do it? Do I have the boldness to do it? If I then start to condemn myself and say, oh, I'm just too weak, I don't have enough faith, or I'm not really a Christian, actually, um, that's condemnation and that's not from God. So conviction comes first, and depending how we respond to that, whether we have faith or not, determines whether the enemy can use that as a, as a method to beat us up. But I have been praying that each one of us would be convicted by God in, in order that we would see application in how we're to live together as the church without walls. And finally, may God spur us in motivation to implement, to do something. Because faith without works is dead. If we receive the word and we have conviction and belief that what God is saying to us is for us in this season and yet we do nothing with it, we would be like a person who goes and looks at their face in a mirror and then walks away forgetting what they look like. So my goal today was to give opportunity, just three opportunities, for us to reflect on this message of the church without walls in order that these things would become our agenda. So time of gathering, and then we're going to remember Jesus, and then we're going to end our time together for the morning. What I've done in preparing um, this morning is I've taken three of the messages that were prepared over the summer for you, and I've got snippets out of them, which we're going to watch, and then I've got some questions for you to discuss, which is the interaction part. So um, technically, legally, under the COVID guidelines, this is our bubble, and we are allowed to interact with one another as long as we do it safely not sharing spit or um, um, bugs, okay? So don't be afraid to talk to someone else in the building. That's allowed, all right? But you do that at the level at which you're comfortable. So in this passage uh, that you see on the screen there, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 to 10, there's a, a paradigm shift that I was really, um, as I um, studied this late last year, really felt God say to me, this is a mindset shift, a paradigm shift. We've got to think about ourselves differently. And there are seven verses, which I'm going to read to you, and each one of you might take something different from this passage. For some of you, the beginning of it will speak to you more. For some of you, the end of it will speak to you more. But let me read it to you. So this is uh, the... First letter from Peter, the Apostle Peter, as he writes to us, and I'm reading 1 Peter chapter 2 from verse 4. 
we are coming to him, he's talking about Jesus, we're coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, you the church, also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Peter quotes, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he, Jesus, is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble, being disobedient to the word, to which they were also appointed. But you, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, by his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who were once not a people, but are now the people of God, who have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So this is a passage of scripture I'm about to show you as a short excerpt of the message that relates to that passage. Just a few minutes, and there's just one point that I want you to, to, to find in there. Um, I would say that if you haven't seen or heard these messages, they are available in all our media channels. Um, I've just got them off YouTube. Um, if you don't have access to technology and you want to listen to these messages, come and find Carla, and she will make that possible for you. All right? So let's uh, listen. We're being built into something. And uh, let us understand that we're, we've got a selection by God himself. We've got a construction together into a spiritual house. There's a foundation, which is the cornerstone. And then the fourth word is unction. Let's look at verse 9. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. This is who we are. And unction is an old-fashioned word. And it's really, uh, I suppose one way to describe it is like a mantle. It's an anointing. They would uh, recognize an unction on someone when the Holy Spirit came upon them. Or when, uh, if you remember when young David was anointed as the future king of Israel, the prophet Samuel took a flask of olive oil and anointed his head before his father Jesse and all his brothers. The unction, and it says the Holy Spirit came upon him. There's a mantle, there's an anointing. Well, we, as the church with our walls, we have an unction. We're anointed, we're set apart, we're chosen. We're chosen a generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We're set apart. You know, one of the words we've used in 2020, which God gave us through lockdown 1.0, was consecration. Consecration means to be set apart, to be separate from. And, you know, if we read further in this chapter, we're going to see what that actually means. But also, I want to make this point when I talk about the unction, the mantle, the, the, the anointing that God puts on his people, which includes you. 
He says we're a royal priesthood. Uh, many books in my library that speak of this, because um, I suppose that's my, my uh, way that I see this kingdom mindset that Jesus Christ uh, brought when he came and brought the gospel of the kingdom. Is that a king has a domain, that's a kingdom. So the kingdom is about the rule and reign of the king in the kingdom, the king's domain. Well, we are also a royal priesthood. We are appointed as representatives of the king. We are appointed and given authority by the king in order that we would rule and reign on his behalf in his kingdom, that we would advance his kingdom, extend his kingdom. It's an administration. It's about authority. It's about stewardship. It's about growth and advancement. It's all about the expansion of the kingdom of God. We're appointed in that. It says we are a kingdom of priests. And the second half of that is the priestly mantle that we carry. We have a royal unction, which is about administration, rule and reign, extending the king's dominion. And we also have a priestly mantle. And priests are appointed by God to minister to God before God. Now, priests are not there to serve the people. The priests are there to draw the people to connect them to God. But they minister unto God. When the people brought the sacrifices up to the temple, the priests didn't offer the sacrifices to the people. They offered them to God. And the aroma of that sacrifice would come up before God and it says that it was pleasing to him. Why? Because the priests are there to minister to God. Part of our role in the way that we do that these days, we don't sacrifice animals and burn them on an altar and we don't cut the fat and do this and chop them up and, and, do, and throw away the rest. We, we minister to God bringing ourselves as an act of worship. Key point there, that we would have the unction, the mantle, the anointing, each one of us as priests. It's not about the minister who's ordained. There's a, there's a job with that. There's a function with that. But each one of us would need to remember that we're anointed as priests before God. And we do that together as living stones, living and dynamic, working together, operating together under the unction of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so this is where the interaction part comes. Taking that passage of scripture that I read to you earlier, thinking about what I just uh, brought out of that passage as one small element. You can tell there were five parts to that. I just talked about the fourth one, unction. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a few minutes and I want you to gather with three or four other people and I want you to just chat about these questions or other thoughts that you had as you heard the scriptures or as you were thinking about what I was just sharing. So be safe, connect with one another and interact. Uh, if you're at home, uh, we're just going to uh, shift this to a widescreen shot. And in your space at home, I want you to have a look and reflect on these questions that you'll see on the screen. Because again, we're trying to internalize scripture so that it brings about change in us. And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit speaks to you through uh, your thoughts and through those that you chat with in order that you would see the paradigm shift God's got for you. So we're going to take maybe four minutes to chat about that now. So find three or four people that are around you and be safe as you connect and interact and discuss the answer to these questions. Go.
Okay, I'm going to um, just pause the conversation there. Uh, before we move on, though, I just thought a uh, couple of observations or comments. Uh, anything that anyone would like to share with the wider group from their conversation that they just had? Yes, Richard. So if Christ is the cornerstone, there's a chance he will offend others. He would be the stumbling block, but that doesn't stop us from sharing who he is. Is that what you said? Make sure everyone can hear. Thank you. Anyone else got a thought they'd like to share from... Yes, Louise. So the rock isn't doing anything to cause offence. The person hitting the rock is the one that becomes an offended party. So let us not try and justify or defend the rock for being a rock. Okay? Similar to what Richard said. Okay? Interesting. Any other thoughts? Great. Thank you, Doug. So Doug says, and, and you will see that if you watch the entire message on YouTube, is my limited engineering knowledge did get to the point of understanding that a cornerstone is a starting point. It is what everything else in the building is set from. And today builders use profiles and lasers. But in those days, they put a stone in the ground, a significant stone, and everything else came off that. Is that true, Doug? Build... Oh, he was meaning spiritual. Oh, so in the spiritual world, Jesus is the cornerstone. He's the starting point. Well, there you go. That's a good word right there. Thank you, Doug. Is there anything else anyone wants to share before we move on to the second one? Yes. Not all stones look the same. We're not bricks. But we're stones that are designed by God to come together he puts us where we fit. Okay. We're not ordinary stones. We're royal priesthood, so we're set apart by God, specially chosen. Yeah, the first word in that series, in that message, if you heard me say it, was selection. You have been chosen. Richard, did you have something to add? Mm. Yes, yes. We won't jump into that today, though. The tension is that we, we are living stones that make a wall, and yet the church in Jerusalem that Peter was writing to is a church without walls. An upside-down kingdom. Okay, let's keep moving, because uh, what I want to do now is I want to challenge you uh, with this question, and that is, what does love look like? 
And the reference you can see on the screen there is Luke chapter 10. This is a, a commonly known passage where Jesus tells a parable that you might remember as the parable of the Good Samaritan. Anyone remember that? The dude that helps the guy on the side of the road. But this reference, Luke chapter 10 verse 25, is the setup for that parable. And sometimes we remember the story, but we don't remember why Jesus told the story. And uh, in this short video clip uh, regarding this message, I'm going to reference the scripture that's up on the screen, and so I won't read it to you. But you can swipe your screens or turn your page and end up at Luke chapter 10, and you'll hear why Jesus is telling this story. But I was stirred for us to really come to Jesus and ask a question. And, and this is where I want to flip this story and, and, and let's put ourselves into it. What if we came to Jesus, just like this guy, the lawyer came to Jesus and says, teacher, what shall I do? What if we as the church, we came to Jesus and we said, Jesus, what does church look like? And what if Jesus said to us, what does the Bible say? And we would look at the scriptures and like, to be honest, we'd probably argue about it because there's so many different versions and translations and perspectives. We come back to Jesus and we, we've wrestled with it and we've looked at the scriptures and we're we're not sure really, but we, we, we think we've got the best we can bring. We say, Jesus, we, 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 we think church looks like we need to love God and we need to love others. And Jesus says, yeah, guys, you got it. You got it. That's awesome. Now, why don't you do that? And we're like, but, but Jesus... What does love look like? And he starts with a story. He says, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, departed, leaving him half dead. The story's the same. What is it that we need to hear Jesus say? And are we willing to hear it? This man, the lawyer, was asking the question to try and prove to himself that his knowledge was all he needed to inherit eternal life. Are we coming to Jesus? This, is, this has challenged me this morning. Are we coming to Jesus and asking him a question, what does church look like? Hoping to prove ourselves right to satisfy our tradition, our comfort, and what we already know. Therefore, we could sit back and say, good for us. I often find if you ask God a question with the wrong motive, he allows you to find the wrong answer.
But when we really ask with the true intent to have Jesus Christ reveal the truth to us, we find that revelation, the revelation that leads us to God's truth. God's truth that leads us to shift our paradigms, our belief structure and our methodology in order that we would love God and love others. Mm, okay. So what does love look like on the screen in reference to this passage and the story of the Good Samaritan, which you know well, but the, the setup, the context, the conversation that Jesus was a part of. I pose these questions to you, and, and may I invite you to consider maybe moving to a different conversation, but um, that might be too much outside your comfort zone. However, if church is love, what does love look like? What does church look like if it is love? And how could I love others with someone else? By that question, I mean... How can I partner with someone to demonstrate? So, again, we're going to take four minutes. We have a conversation with each other in context of this passage and being the church without walls. Church is love. What does church look like? And if you're at home, make sure you have this conversation with yourself. See what you think. Okay, uh, let's uh, pause that conversation and just have a time of uh, feedback. Who's got a comment that they would like to share from their conversation? Gary, is that a hand? I'll oh, just check in. Yes, Deborah. Great. So firstly, that's just to reflect so everyone can hear if they're saying it's really important to identify a need rather than serve something that you feel that's not present. Secondly is that you can have the same giftings as others, but it's sometimes better to come together with those that are complementary to the giftings that God's given you and that working together, you can help meet that need. And the final thought that Deborah shared was that we should just as much do that within the family of God, the body of Christ, as much as outside of it. Thank you. Is there anyone else that would like to share a thought? Love is not a feeling, it is a doing word. Action. Very good. Thank you, Gary. Yes, Duran. Very good. So Duran's saying, firstly, the question is, the teacher asks, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Or the lawyer asks, Jesus. So that was the, that was the, that was the moment of, of the inquiry. What should I do to inherit eternal life? And then she observes that it's not so much about just what we do, but our relationship or connection, because it flows out of our connection with him. Very good. Very good. Any other thoughts anyone would like to share? Laura's out of hand, or just I, there you go. I thought you might, always got something to say. What would you like to share?
That's a great summary of the message. Well done. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, so what Laura's saying is, uh, if you break down what is church, as we've done through the series, recognizing it's not a building, it's not a meeting, it's not a gathering like this, it's actually where you go, you are church. Those were her words. Therefore, where you are, you go, you bring love to others. Hmm. Great. Thank you. Yes, Richard. Yeah, keep on loving even in the face of rejection. Mm. That's a challenge. Mm. Yeah, love isn't always reciprocated. Mm. Okay. Yes, the, f- the flesh response isn't always the right response. Mm. <laughs> no one else, I'm sure. No. Yeah, we can only love through his love. Yeah, very good. Okay. The final one, I pose this question to you, uh, or more make a statement. The good news of the message of today is that Jesus invites us to die. He said to them, Jesus said to them in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is in a man if he gains the whole world and he himself is destroyed or lost? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes to his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who should not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. What an interesting passage. Let's just have a quick look at this video and then there's some questions for us. Third and my final point is this. Jesus invites us to die. Well, that's uplifting, isn't it? Well, it should be. You're called and you're invited. Jesus invites us to die. And I'd say this to you, self-sacrifice is the way to serve. Self-sacrifice is the way to serve. Jesus himself is the very best example for us of this. I call your attention to Luke chapter 9. In Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, Jesus says this to us. If anyone desires to come after me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him, the son of man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his father's and of the holy angels. Let us not be those ones who stand witness to the coming of Jesus, but do not see or taste his glory. Jesus is the perfect example of someone who loves others and would lay his life down for them. 
This is described to us in Philippians chapter 2, this picture that we read in the letter to the church of Philippi. Paul writes that we should have the same attitude as Jesus Christ. Who in the being in the form of God, this is verse 6 of Philippians chapter 2, being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance of men, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And in that death, God exalted him. God has highly exalted him, given him a name of every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee would bow, those in heaven and on earth, and those under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of the Father. What's my point? Point number three, Jesus has called us to die. But Jesus is the best example of how we should die. That we would take the form of a servant, to lay down our ambition, to lay down our privilege, to lay down even that rightful place, as Jesus did as the Son of God, equal with God, considered it not robbery, and yet he put it aside. Let us choose to die. Let us choose to live that life as Jesus did, in order that we would willingly offer our lives as a sacrifice for others, that they would find Jesus. And in finding Jesus, they would find a pathway to the Father. So point number one is that we must be living a life in readiness for the coming King, Jesus, King Jesus. Point number two is that love is the antidote to our life becoming a clanging gong. Let us live in love. Point number three is that self-sacrifice is the way to serve. Jesus has invited us to die. This, um, this is a challenging thought for me, and it's one that I've been wrestling with a lot lately. And um, as I was preparing uh, this summary, and as I watched these videos and thought back on, um, I suppose, where I'm at on the journey, uh, this question was particularly challenging to me. And uh, so what, what I don't want to do is I don't want to, I'm not going to break up and, and get you to uh, share this with each other right now. Um, but I, I suppose I'm going to uh, just be really honest out, out here and just say, uh, this has really, really been challenging me lately. And if it's challenging me, there's probably a couple of other people that it's challenging. And as some of you have said, uh, I think it was Deborah that, that reflected on their conversations, if we are going to love others as Christ loves the church, then we should also do that inside the family. So what I'm doing is I'm admitting that I'm challenged by this. I'm really struggling with some of these things at the moment in my journey of dealing with the issues of the heart. And the reason I'm acknowledging that is to acknowledge that there might be others in the family that are also on that journey. And in acknowledging that, I suppose I'm encouraging us to support that process. That we would be considerate, that we would be loving, that we would reach out and be love with each other. That we would live in grace, as Jesus did. That we would put our needs aside and we would serve the needs of others because that is what Jesus did. 
And so I want you to reflect on this question just for a minute, personally, without talking to others. And sometimes what I find useful in doing this kind of reflection is to literally ask Jesus this question. Jesus, what might be taking hold of my heart that is an obstacle to me loving others? So just in a moment, quiet moment in your space, I invite you to ask that question and see what Jesus says to you. Jesus, we acknowledge that you are loving and gracious and kind and that you came to earth to suffer at the hands of others, those whom you loved, in order that you would be the perfect sacrifice that would enable us to be reconciled to God our Father. Jesus, you are not absent from our journey and we're so grateful for that. So for each of us, who are hearing this prayer, whether we're in the building or online, whether it's sometime later in time, God, for each one of us, my prayer is that you would shine your light and your love into our heart, that you would help us to see things from your perspective, and that if there is an area of our heart that is broken or suffering, that we would offer it to you, that we would bring our burdens to you, not that we would carry them any longer, but that you would bring your healing touch to our hearts in order that we would know your love more fully and more deeply and more personally, that from that place of knowing your love, we can love others as you have. God, I pray today that as a family you would give us your grace to love one another well. That we would see a brother or sister who is perhaps not doing well and we would put aside our needs and love them well. We can only do that by your grace. And so today we invite that grace to invade our space. We thank you that, Jesus, you have paid the price for all healing. And as we yield ourselves to you, you take us on a journey of healing. And God, only you can do that. So as I often do, Lord, I pray that you'd give each one of us the strength to be humble and submitted to you as you lead us on that pathway. One of the acts of the church as they gathered, um, we put on the screen here in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It's kind of a the best picture for me of what church actually is. Church, you know, Laura said it church isn't a meeting, it's not a building, it's not a, a scheduled service. No, church is people who gather with Jesus in their midst. And this verse here, um, I, I've just spent six months just coming back to it. Every time I, I end up somewhere in the New Testament, I always see this reflected in the teaching of the apostles who wrote the scriptures for us. And, and it says, they, who are the believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, meaning the word of God, 
which became the word of God, and the fellowship with one another, do not neglect being together, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. These are four things that we should do with each other, often. And this was going to be the moment where we all took communion together. And I say was, because we've made a really cautious decision today not to pass around crackers for you to put your grubby little fingers on them. That's, that's extra cautious, uh, and it's a decision we made this morning. But um, without being too pap- papal about it, I wonder if I could just lead you in a remembrance ceremony. Um, because Jesus at the Last Supper gathered and broke the bread, and he said to his disciples, this is my body which is broken for you, do this in remembrance of me. Paul, in writing to the church, to you and I, he says, when you come together, take the bread and and remember that Jesus' body was broken for you as a sacrifice. And so symbolically today, I can't share this with you, I'm sorry, uh, but I, I would pray that the symbol of this, taking this cracker as a symbol of the body of Christ and breaking it, we would each remember that Jesus Christ as the Son of God gave his body as a physical sacrifice, broken for you personally, that in his body being broken, he paid the ultimate price for your disconnection with God and he reconciled you to God. And so I want to just pause now as we remember this cracker as the body of Christ which is broken for each one of us. In the same way, Jesus took the cup of wine at the dinner table and in Jewish tradition, they had several moments where they shared the cup together under the the Passover feast. And Jesus said to them, he held the cup and he said, this wine represents my blood which is shed for you and your sins. He said this symbolically not having yet suffered at the sword, knowing what was necessary to pay for our sins. And he took this cup and he shared it with his brothers around the table and he says, when you gather together, do this in remembrance of me. And today, I can't share this cup with you, but I I bring it as a representation, as a remembrance of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for every single one of us. That by the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ, the, the payment for our sins was made for all eternity. And so today as a family, as, as you're with us online, we come together and we remember and we thank Jesus Christ our Lord for his sacrifice, the spilling of his blood that paid for our sins. We are washed, cleansed and made righteous by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We thank you that we do not only remember the death and suffering of our Lord, but we we, we celebrate his resurrection. And Jesus, today, we lift you up over 
our gathering and over this town, we lift up the name of Jesus Christ as the Lord of all, Saviour of all mankind, that as we lift you up, you would draw people to yourself, that they would come to their senses, they would let go of all their offences, and they would surrender their lives to you afresh. God, as we remember Jesus Christ, our personal Saviour, we confess him as the Saviour, the personal Saviour of this town. Jesus, we thank you for the price you paid at Calvary. We thank you for the gift of your righteousness that we did not earn by works, but is merited to us by grace and credited to us as righteousness. And we are now, because of the sacrifice, welcomed into the presence of God Almighty. We are embraced as a royal priesthood, sons and daughters of God Most High with a mantle to rule and reign with his authority in our community, to minister before God and lead people to him. Today, because of Jesus, we accept that commission and his enabling. Amen. Amen. Well, may that sit with you as a remembrance this morning and, and for the rest of the day. Um, I pray that you would reflect on the message, The Church Without Walls, and the series called Church Without Walls, and, and go and find old messages that you haven't seen or haven't followed up yet. Uh, they're available on our church app. They're also available on our YouTube channel, probably the two easiest places to go and find them, but they're also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, depending on your preference. Let us take the Word of God and make it part of who we are, that we would grow together and journey together. So I'm going to close the, the service down uh, now. Uh, the kids have been preparing something uh, for us, and I'd ask that if you are offered something, that you receive it with grace and with caution. Uh, I would also add that we did put a bouncy castle up for the family table. Uh, we decided to put it up today and let them play on it. They're being supervised. Uh, apologies if you can't get your kids out of it. Um, but um, I'm sure you'll make it home before dinner time. Um, we are going to do family table. We're making plans. We're just watching what happens. Um, so just keep in touch. Uh, but we desire to come together and share a meal together and have fun. So uh, watch out for that. We've also got Lake Day booked for the middle of March, which is where we have a worship service and then we go to Arapuni. So uh, watch out for that on the calendar as well. So may God bless you as you go. May you know his love and his grace and his goodness in every aspect of your life. May you remember that you are his light to our community and his love to those around you. May you go in the strength and the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Please stay for a coffee and uh, connect with others and have a great week. God bless.